You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. In this episode of Around the Coin, I interview Aaron Hagiag. Aaron is the co-founder and CEO of ClearX. Aaron has 20 years experience founding and managing software companies. Previously, he was a CTO of Israel Direct Insurance and served as a CEO of an algorithmic trading company. Uh, ClearX is building a blockchain-based settlement and clearing network for telco. They are allowing the large telco companies throughout the world to resolve disputes on settlements on individual users or companies uh, through complex contracts that they have. They're allowing these companies to resolve those disputes through the blockchain. They've raised $13 million. Uh, Iran just got back from a very successful conference in uh, uh, uh Dubai, I believe it was. And we talked about the implications of the future of 5G and 6G in telco. We talked about how blockchain is helping telco companies settle disputes and allow the internet itself to become much more efficient and much, much more. Aran is very technical. He understands the intricacies of how cable is laid out throughout the world, of proprietary networks for companies who receive faster connections, the impacts that 5 and 6G will have, satellite, low latency, VR. We talked about a ton of stuff. This was a very informative, educational conversation that I very much enjoyed. So without further ado, I bring you Aran Hagiab. All right, we're live. Aran Hagiad, very excited to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, you are the CEO of ClearX. Let's start there. What is ClearX? What are you guys attempting to do in the world? Okay, so first of all, thank you for, uh, for having me tonight. Um, I'm, um, at ClearX, what we do in the last uh, four years um, is developing uh, blockchain-based uh, settlement and contract automation systems. Uh, we do this to serve um, usually large enterprises and then uh, trickle down to, to medium and uh, smaller enterprises. Uh, our biggest market that we operate in is the um, our telecommunication market, uh, where we are serving the biggest telecommunication companies in the world in different types of um, services, and uh, we can talk about it uh, more. Yeah, I like this business a lot because it's behind the scenes. You've raised money from the telecom businesses themselves, which is a huge indicator. And pre-show, you were just telling me that you got back from a conference, which your customers were selling other customers. What? Wh- how does enlighten me a little bit as to how the telecom industry works today, and particularly the payment aspect, which you guys seemingly are addressing? Yeah. Um, so I was quite amazed to, to see how, uh, manual things are in the, um, telecom, especially in the wholesale, uh, business, but also serving enterprises and other customers. Uh, it's still a market where negotiations are being done in these conferences, like the one I've been into Dubai, um, sitting in conferences room or small tables, depending on the budget of the companies. Uh, and negotiated different contracts and uh, and deals between uh, between them. Orders are being done uh, mostly by um, email uh, with different order forms and and stuff like that. It takes long time to process them to get the quotes to get the orders. Um, and then when invoices are being issued, there are discrepancies, disputes are arising, excels are changing hands. Uh, sometimes it takes months or you know even years 
uh, to resolve these discrepancies. Um, so very, very manual uh, uh, thing for a uh, you know industry that does uh, uh, that runs the internet, right? And so, what would be an example of a customer of a teleco? So this is not a individual user. Like it wouldn't be me disputing my Verizon cell phone bill. You're talking about something else. No, it's when Verizon uh, walks with the with the Vodafone. Um, either let's say an example of the roaming uh, business. So if you are a Verizon customer and you're going now to, to London or to Düsseldorf and uh, you roam and uh, you get charged by Verizon for this, but actually you were using Vodafone network. So Verizon needs to pay Vodafone for this service, right? And they need to do it for all the roaming users that happens in the world. And each one of these have hundreds of connections to different operators in the world that needs to settle between them on a very complicated agreements that can be uh, based on different tiers, uh, commitments that they do with each other, um, deals that are crossed uh, between them, uh, like they're balancing uh, the staff. So there's many different models, and this is quite complicated, and this is being calculated uh, in silos by each company, sometimes in Excel, sometimes in uh, dedicated software. Uh, these things are not talking together, and then you've got a lot of disputes between them. So it is for your individual activity, but you are aware that all of that is happening behind the scenes. Wow. Yeah, I was not aware. <laughs> I figured it would be fairly automated, uh, but I suppose it's not. What is the cause of the disputes? Why, why would it not be as simple as, hey, I'm in France and there's a, a French teleco server and then Verizon just bills that server or pays that server. W- what are the disputes typically involving the time or the actual data that somebody's using? And they, because I would imagine the the inputs are fairly quantitative, right? Um, yeah, you would imagine. So uh, <laughs> uh, the um, like the first type of disputes would be around the data itself. So as um, as one party is getting the data directly from their network, the other party is getting data sent back to their network. And um, as we are talking about, a lot of packets, a lot of data, I think every 10K that you're using on your phone is another record. Um, so, you know, data starts to not correlate. Some time zones, um, you know, uh, missing packets, servers, stuff like that. When you, when you have such a big uh, amount of data, this happens. The other problem is around the business models, uh, the commercial models. So as I mentioned, there are very complicated commercial models that uh, have been built in the last 20 years. Um, so let's say that you walk now between uh, um, uh, Verizon and, and Deutsche Telekom now, and they have an agreement that says that uh, if they pass a certain threshold, they get a discount. Uh, but they have a commitment for specific uh, areas in the world. And they have another agreement that is based on the data-only uh, things for IoT. Um, because these agreements are not uh, saved in a centralized server, like you would imagine that there would be some kind of a SaaS that everybody connects to, and they put all the contracts there, and then uh, it makes the calculation, and it tells how much money uh, each party needs to pay to the other, or actually making the payment, right? Reality is that these companies don't want to have a centralized party have all the sensitive commercial data um, of them because then they will know about all the businesses happening in the world. And this is kind of an international business of very big companies. So each company makes this calculation by themselves and uh, and then they share the result. But because there is no formalized way to do that, each one gets a different result. And then they start disputing on this and finding you know what is uh, right and what is wrong. Um, so this is the, the problem that, that happens in the room. I can tell you about other problems in other products. The way that we... How, how did... Hey, go ahead. Oh, I, 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 but right, it's, I, I felt like you're about to answer the question I, I was thinking about, which is how you're going to solve it. Before you talk about that, how did you get exposed to this? This is not something the average person would have visibility into. Yeah, that, that's true. That's It was uh, by mere coincidence, um, I would say. Um, I... Uh, I was exposed to um, another settlement problem in the telecom space, uh, which I thought um, uh, I could solve with uh, with smart contracts. It was uh, like uh, early days of uh, of uh, like Ethereum, um, you know, ICOs, uh, uh, 2017, 
And um, I thought that, hey, this is a problem that can actually be resolved by this, uh, which is not just a way to raise money for raising money. Uh, this could uh, solve a big enterprise's problem. So I was intrigued by this, um, uh, by this thing. And when I started drilling down, I understood it happens in different types uh, of products within the telecom space. But not only there, I realized that it happens also in other verticals, like in the energy space and, um, you know, anywhere where you have big companies that trade um, multi-record uh, complex products. Um, so this is kind of the reason why I thought that this is interesting. So it was, it was a mere coincidence uh, for me to, to discover this. I can tell you that I knew about this problem from a previous company that I had and I sold, uh, which was an um, um, advertising technology company. It was doing like uh, algorithmic uh, trading of video ads and uh, having a direct publisher's business. And uh, because you know uh, uh, we've automated uh, all the aspects of buying and selling media, but the department that we had that had to settle in the end of the month got more and more people. And the reason why was that part was manual because no one had a solution to automate and we had the same problem, discrepancies in ad servers. Uh, they had that amount of impression that they had that amount of impression and you can't settle the bill. I had like CEOs of other companies coming to me and telling me, hey, we found some fraud. Um, Google didn't pay to us, so let's split the, you know, all these kind of things. And I said, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense, you know. And this thing should be automated. So this is when I first came with this idea of trying to automate this using smart contracts. And then I was exposed to this. It happens also in the telecom industry. And it was kind of a opportunity, uh, that, um, that, uh, we started working on. And this is how we ended up uh, doing all these uh, solutions. That's super cool. So it sounds like the entrepreneurial filter that you applied to this layer of industry was there's large companies that are trying to settle who owes who what for what and there's a bunch of rules in place so the 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 rules for monetary exchange are complicated the players are very large and they each have a lot of things in this case like consumers using their products mm -hmm. so it's like very large people trying to figure out which complicated contract applies for this specific case yeah and then that would be a perfect condition for sort of, uh, do you look at the application that you're building as a uh, sort of neutral ground that each of the teleco providers can en enter voluntarily their information and then it can be accessible to everyone? I'm, I'm curious how what the solution yeah, practically okay. looks like. So uh, if I continue the example that we had before that we could have one centralized SaaS that would do that, uh, but because of the reasons of privacy that I, and competition that I mentioned, um, what we built is a, um, uh, infrastructure is a platform that allows you to do the same thing, but in a decentralized manner. So each of these, um, enterprises, um, have this, their own node, own copy of our software. So we don't run any nodes there. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just our customers and they, and we help them integrate their uh, operational system that have all this data, you know, coming from all the users' transactions or uh, contracts that they have into this node. We also allow them to define contracts with the user interface that we build and allow them to uh, design the contracts and agree and, and sign them cryptographically uh, between each other. And then the data is being processed by these contracts. And because it's the same logic running on smart contracts, they get the same results on both ends and then they can settle automatically. So no more disputes. Um, they can shorten the settlement cycle. They make the payments uh, smaller so they can eventually move into uh, like on-chain payments or faster payments uh, um, using that. And um, then they can go and do a much more complex transaction. They can go to do a lot of on-demand stuff that they can't do today. Um, so that kind of open up uh, the type of products, the complexity of them, uh, that allows them to handle more um, SLA um, type of things. So to say, like, uh, I'm selling this to you and I'm committing that this will behave in this way with this latency, with this bandwidth, and if not, you'll get compensated with this amount. And today, this is all handled manually, so it's very limited what you can do with this. 
But now they, they have these systems, they can uh, get much more complicated. And this is very important. I can explain why in a second. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I- I'm really interested on in how how you set this up. So there's a server that each of the customers run. Presumably, there's only a few large telcos, right? You're, you're talking about dozens. I mean, we're not talking about hundreds, are we? Across the world? Yeah, it's, at the moment, it's dozens. Yeah. Dozen. And and they would each have one server. So would this be something like their IT team spins up a, a server dedicated to running this node separate from everything else? And then your your team, probably manually and through software, helped pull through API, pull in the data from their database into this node? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't have to run it on their, um, uh, like, a lot of the big ones are doing it on their IT system, but we also have a, like a hosted um, AWS version uh, with a one-click install, so they can get like an oh, AWS nice. one-click install. We install everything, the, the blockchain nodes, the, um, uh, our software, everything, and then they just plug into the API and they can do it. So it's uh, it could be quite simple and it could be quite complicated depending on the IT requirements. <laughs> Where where do they usually you pitch this to them? What's the what's the first few questions they usually ask? Are they concerned about privacy of their data or uh, compl- what else are they generally concerned about? Um, I, I mean, the I won't say which customer, but uh, we like some of the customer have uh, one of the customers that we have have uh, seven hundred uh, question question year for the uh, <laughs> and privacy. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, number 49 was a good question. So they, uh, they don't ask the question that said that they, they mail you the, the, the email you the form. Um, so yeah, they asked tons of questions. I think, yeah. um, um, the, the main thing that uh, they are, they are concerned with, you know, uh, in the beginning is the business value that they get. Like they try to understand. Um, how much this automation will help them. Uh, others are, you know, trying to see if this is going to make, uh, too much automation and, um, you know, there's, there's all, all kinds of things. Um, but, um, yeah, generally they are very fascinated about uh, the technology. They try to understand is it truly private? Does, you know, others really can't see that? Uh, can you really not see the data? All these kind of things that are very different from a normal software, right? So these are kind of things that they are intrigued about. Um, and then, um, you know, they're interested in like, how would they take their format, uh, which is different and make it, uh, compatible with the, with the format? What are the tools that they have to do it? So these are the kind of things. In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Forget not your keys, not your crypto. Software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability, that a single private key can be lost, hacked, or simply just misplaced. My new sponsor, the Zengo Crypto Wallet, is a total game changer, bringing wallet security to a whole new level. You have to check out Zengo, an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which has, just until now, only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com, code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. Listen, there's a reason the ultra-wealthy have been investing in fine wine for centuries. Historically stable returns and a lack of volatility make it stand out compared to traditional assets, especially during a downturn. But now you can invest alongside with them with Vint. Vint is an SEC-qualified investment platform that offers shares of the most sought-after wines in the world. So join the thousands of investors diversifying with fine wine and spirits. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to make sure, obviously, that their their data is private. So hence the idea of hosting it on their own server. And then through the protocol, through the blockchain protocol, only the data that's necessary to share with their like friendly competitors are going to be shared. Uh, once they understand that, they want to know how does this help them, which I'd imagine the primary pitch you give is, hey, the average telco company spends... I don't know, $20 million or some large amount of money going back and forth in time. So you have a huge department of internal customer service, whatever that's called. And that's a, that's a big line item on their balance sheet. Is that generally the pitch, like reduce cost of their? So yeah, efficiency is the, um, is the pitch for, for this, this product line. Um, uh, but it's not only reducing, uh, FTs, like reducing people that are doing that. Um, it's also, um, it's shortening the, uh, the cycle of payments, which is good for, um, for net receiver and not necessarily good for net payers. So depending on, <laughs> on the audience, um, uh, the speech is relevant. Um, another very interesting thing that we learned is because there are so many disputes, um, and, um, people as people, they get emotional about this, you know, you don't pay me. Mm. Um, I'm, I don't want to do business with you. Uh, why don't pay me? This is the numbers like, uh, and, and, uh, what they start seeing is that they are losing business with this partner when it's in disputes because they don't do new deals. It's very hard to negotiate because the teams are kind of, you know, if there's now a, a million dollar in, in, in line. So, Hey, pay me the million dollar before I'll do another business with you. And he's saying, but the data is not right. And, so by reducing this uh, amount of disputes dramatically and shortening the cycle, there is actually more business coming uh, between the companies. And this is a big thing. Um, another thing that, uh, that uh, we see is because this manual systems, um, you have a lot of um, kind of unused stuff. So going from the roaming to another um, um, use case that is interesting um, around the fiber uh, connections. So, you know, the, um, the, the conversation we are doing now is running on a lot of uh, different fibers, uh, connecting between us. Um, now we are running on the free internet, but, um, if we were in a big enterprise, we were probably running on our own, uh, MPLS, um, uh, connection, uh, getting, uh, uh, uh more crystal and, uh, uh, fixed quality, uh, uh, image between us. And, um, these type of things cost money. And whenever you have uh, an organization, like let's say you will uh, go to Verizon to, to get this, uh, uh, this lines and I'm in Tel Aviv, Verizon don't have any access to here. So they would have to buy maybe from, uh, uh, BT, uh, or from uh, Deutsche Telekom and then from, uh, you know, a local uh, provider here in Israel, Bezek, um, to allow this line that will connect between us. So there's another huge market of uh, fiber connectivity, different types of things, layer two, layer three, Ethernet, IP, um, that um, that needs to be settled because then um, they need to pay to all the others that they are using. And then let's say that we close the branch in Israel, they need to cancel this. But because everything is quite manual, they sometimes uh, forget to cancel it. So there's a lot of like uh, unused lines, about five to seven percent is the statistic we got from our customers uh, of an inventory today that is is actually unused and getting paid for. So a lot of the things we are doing by getting into the system is kind of this getting organized all of that stuff, and you save a lot of your costs. So there's a lot of different line items around that because if you work in this massive scale and you don't do it in an automated fashion, you have a lot of inefficiencies that uh, we address. So, so five to seven percent of the cables that are around the world laid for internet are not being used or being paid for and not being used. 
um, let me uh, 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 make this a little yeah. bit more accurate. <laughs> um, on the international connections, okay, between the paid internet um, uh, cables. So what we're doing now is, is a, a non-paid, right? It's what's called free period. Uh, but if we were in an enterprise and we were connected, then five to seven percent of these lines are being paid for but not used. Wow. So is there a, I mean, I'm not aware of this, but is there a separate, are there multiple layers of, of uh, internet where you and I are using what you call the, the freed version? And then there's this, N, what is it, MPS? NPLS. MPLS. That's yeah. uh, MPLS. And what is this? What, what? Okay, so, so um, um, do you have fiber to your home? I do. Okay. So, um, uh, but you, you, so your fiber, if, if it goes, uh, like and connect to, to another fiber, another fiber, another fiber with different routers and the way that gets to me, right? Now, um, there is different priorities of the packets that are running there. And if there is now a lot of, uh, bandwidth that needs to go, so some of the packets will wait. And uh, then you see uh, me getting pixelated a bit, right? Uh, because you didn't get all my pixels uh, at the same time. If we would have a dedicated cable, you know, connected you and me throughout the world, like different cable statement that we bought, and it's only us using it, we won't see this pixelizing thing, right? But we have to pay. How, how do I get one of those? Uh, <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> I'll hook you with uh, I'll hook you with someone. It's 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 quite expensive, right? Um, so it's um, uh, something like this could cost you know ten thousand dollars a month, or uh, you know depending on where to where in the world, it could be more. Um, and um, this is why like consumers are not using it because it doesn't make sense on the consumer scale. But if we are now two buildings, two branches of a big organization it makes sense to do this type of thing. And all of us are using it, you know, and sharing and getting much better video conference uh, quality, for example. One of the mm -hmm. things that... Oh, get yeah. I was going to ask, so this would generally be reserved for like Fortune 500 companies. Is that about the scale of the companies? No, that so so today, uh, today there are, um, there is a concept called SD1, Software Defined One which is um, that can run on both MPLS and standard um, Ethernet. And the SD1 is doing better uh, prioritization of the different protocols. So um, if we will say like what we are doing now, this conference is the most important thing between us, it will, it will prioritize the packets and get us, you know, a better uh, quality than uh, and this. And this is, um, you know, this is rather cheap, much more, much cheaper compared to the MPLS. Um, one of the things that we are working on without getting into, into too much details that I can't get into is to enable these type of, of interactions, even with the MPLS and stuff like that for, for uh, uh, end users. I can tell you that one of our customers, a uh, company called um, um, PCCW Global, they have a product called Console Connect. And they kind of allow you to get some bandwidth on demand between different uh, points where you can pay uh, like in a SaaS uh, product. Um, so this is kind of a, a, a beginning of, of this uh, thing. But um, when, when this framework would be widely used, uh, a service like Riverside could have a button saying, I want to buy better quality for this podcast. I'm willing to pay a hundred bucks maybe uh, for a session and, and you know, get uh, the, the, su the super quality, like this end-to-end -end fiber just for us for that period of time. And this is the type of use cases that are going to be uh, possible using this type of technology. That's so interesting. That's so practical because it, it feels like from a consumer's perspective, there are, there are some times when it's worth a lot more that you have high integrity, fast uh, low latency connection like this, right? Is it, once we stop doing this podcast and I open up Slack and Evernote, then I, you know, my my bid, my bid would drop down what I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to accept slower times. It's like driving on the highway. You know, if 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 there was an intelligent traffic network and you say, okay, I'm late for this meeting, I'll pay 
this person is going to their book club, like, but we have no way to communicate that. It seems inevitable in every large network, but yeah. When do you think that'll be not necessarily what are you, I'm not looking for a timeline on you releasing your products, but when do you think the average person will be able to go on the internet, open up a browser and set a bid price for higher internet? Is that five years away? Three years? Is, does something has to happen for that to be released in a big way? Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, I'll explain uh, a little bit more uh, and then we can, we can get, there's several things that needs to happen. First of all, you need automated provisioning of the network elements themselves. So today, most of the companies, they need a technician, an engineer to configure the, ca- the cable to, to work in a certain way and to connect it between the different parties, right? There is something called NNI, it's a network-to-network interface, and it needs to be configured between the two networks. So depending on how many networks are between us, there's multiple configuration that needs to happen. So some of the companies, you know, like Console Connect that I mentioned before and, and Colt, it is another customer of ours, already have this level of automation uh, in many of the network. Um, so they can support it. Others are still working on it. And that means that until they will like reach a critical mass of coverage for this in the world, it won't be possible. Okay, so that's one thing that needs to happen. Um, then the second thing that needs to happen, and this is what we are building, is the commercial framework for this, right? So you need that to, to make sure that once uh, you chose to use this for 40 minutes now, and you chose, um, you used five different uh, cables in the world, that your money is going to be splitted between them in the right way, right? And this is the type of um, settlement framework that we have um, to do that. Um, so it needs, you need both the, um, the network side and the commercial side to work together to enable this. And uh, this, as I say, it's already available in some um, territories and it will become more and more available. I would say like in, in three years, we will have decent availability of this in the world and probably start seeing more and more integrations around this. Um, five years, we should, we should uh, you know, have this as a, as a common thing uh, that's, that, that we all know. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about this, whether there's more of a market for countries who are less developed, uh, has less developed infrastructure, say like in Africa, um, parts of Asia versus the US or parts of Europe that have just had internet infrastructure around longer. Uh, Companies like or countries like the US have invested more into the internet infrastructure. But of course, there's this concept of leapfrogging where They've invested so much, so it's difficult to spin that up. We have telephone wires all over the country. Africa uses just cell phones because they, they don't need, they never invested in that. Do you see this kind of thing l- launching or taking off more so in uh, less developed countries? Or is, there, or is there more of a financial incentive to have it for more developed countries because the, co- the companies are there? So um, you're absolutely right about the leapfrogging. Um, in Africa, we see companies that build a network uh, from scratch with disability because they started mm. much later um, and they don't have the legacy. So in terms of technology, it's, it's, uh, it's easier there. Um, in terms of the uh, kind of financial capability to pay for um, the connections abroad, it, it, it varies, right? Um, so, um, I, I, don't have any data about, um, about this in, in Africa. Uh, but, um, uh, I think Africa is more ready than many of the Western countries in terms of the, um, network technology. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so you were, you were going on a, a, a thread there and I, I feel like I sidetracked you a little bit. So you're working yeah. with these companies, you're. Yeah, um, I, I find it fascinating to learn how the internet works on a more granular level, and then what's the evolution of the user experience and what's underneath the hood, like what, why, how yeah. the wiring works, and yeah, most people have no idea. Yeah, it just it just works, right? Um, yeah, but, but the uh, I think that we are seeing more and more um, experiences that we are getting exposed to that the standard internet doesn't work as well you know it's it's um 
um, you know, when we, when you get into this metaverse ideas, um, and, uh, you know, if we were now, um, sitting on the, uh, uh, on the rock, uh, by a lake, uh, in a, in a virtual reality world, and we had this conversation and we can walk around and stuff like that, uh, that's going to be cool. Right. But think about how, um, how pixelating us would, would feel like even worse and it's mm-hmm. going to be even uh, worse. So, uh, we are, we are just approaching into a world where this low latency high bandwidth uh, use cases are going to be like a day to day thing. Uh, and, uh, this is, this is going to be very, very interesting to, to help solve that. Do you feel like there's a physics problem with the existing infrastructure in terms of the amount of data? Say for this example, say you and I wanted to throw on VR headsets and be next to each other with the fidelity or the 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 data as we just see it. Like there's there's just no difference between what I can see right now out of my eyes and what I would see through VR. So there's some finite amount of data that I would need from you to recreate your image visually in my VR. Is, is that, that data possible to get through the existing pipes? Or do you think we just need to completely rebuild or use satellites or just what's your thought on that? The, the, current, uh, the current infrastructure cannot support it. Um, um, it's, it's, uh, it's said that uh, I didn't experience it. I said that um, you need about 16 um, K. So, um, you know, the like, um, uh, like the standard um, uh, Oculus, uh, like the Quest 2 is about 2 K. Um, and you need to get a 16 K um, to get the fully immersive, like to see how, how you see the world. Um, so that's... Um, huge amount of bandwidth and you need to get it in a very, very low latency. So to be able to get something like this, um, you need a different type of infrastructure that exists today. Um, with 5G standalone uh, that started to now roll out in the US, um, you get a better, um, uh, like better ability to do stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, with the next generation, like with 6G, uh, that's, that's, uh, probably going to be like what will get us into this, uh, this area. And there's a lot of other things because you get a lot of load on the, on the fibers in the middle. Uh, there is satellite connectivity that is now, um, you know, getting into play. Um, I don't know if you watch, uh, like the development of Starlink, what comes from, from SpaceX. Uh, but the new addition of that should provide a 20 millisecond, uh, latency, um, you know, to the supply and back, uh, to different areas in the world, uh, with kind of a hundred, uh, uh, um, megabits. So, um, the technologies are getting there and there's a lot of money being deployed on this type of connectivity, uh, protocols, but there's going to be another problem of kind of um, meshing it all together into a global network and, um, you know, handling the commercial aspects around that. So this, these are some of the things that, uh, that we are looking at. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, I want to ask you about the structure of the company. So when you start a company in an atypical way like this, you're, you're pitching not a subscription service, right? It's not as if, and, Tell me if I'm wrong here, but I assume that there's a layer of currency that you're creating in the network so that Verizon and Deutsche and everyone will be able to facilitate these payments between each other uh, very quickly using smart contracts. Is your business model to own a percentage, some some percentage of the currency, some percentage of the tokens flowing through the network, add value to that protocol, and then see the value of the token rise and then make your money that way or is there subscription or how do you think about structuring mm-hmm. revenue models so um in the beginning that was my thought <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we also um generated a very interesting stable coin um called esdr we were tokenizing sdr which is a special drawing rights it's the um, imf currency it's a um, weighted average of the five biggest currencies in the world and the reason why we've done that is because that's the standard settlement in telco 
uh, between them, uh, like in roaming and in other areas. Uh, and it's coming, you know, back from uh, the days, you know, with very high volatility between uh, different currencies and having telco like linked to the country and stuff like that. So that's the uh, currency that everybody used. And that was backed by money market funds from Fidelity, which are our lead investor. Um, and we created a very interesting structure. Everything is using zero knowledge proofs. So you don't see and you don't know which pays to uh, who to who pays to whom. And that was quite a groundbreaking technology back then in, in, you know, 2018. Um, the problem is that we found that telcos are a bit slower in the adoption of uh, any financial software. Uh, and they are okay with using uh, the blockchain-based smart contracts to uh, agree of how much they need to pay to each other, but they still want to pay in the way that they pay uh, normally. So um, we had to to work uh, in a standard subscription model uh, to start with. And uh, without getting into much details of what we are working on right now, because that's, that's that will be a subject for our, uh, another uh, uh, conversation, but we are working on a uh, on a kind of a Web three protocol that is, is you know public and is more along the lines of what you are um, uh, just uh, mentioned. Mm-hmm. But we needed to do the whole journey uh, to be able to win again the ability to do something like this. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most protocols will take that route if they're a consumer because it makes sense. Yeah, you know, they're they're fo- oftentimes I talk to people who are building protocols whose goal it is after they raise money to dissolve the company itself. So they don't even they don't even want to have a company. They build a protocol, they drive up the value of the token and then they sell tokens at a higher amount. You guys quite a bit different. I imagine you structure it as a typical company and then on the outside in the beginning, it's it looks very similar to its uh, normal product that you're selling. But then, of mm-hmm. course, you head in a different direction with Web3. Um, I imagine just the nature of large companies, they're slow in adopting new payments, like they have the whole financial system. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. But we're getting there. We're getting there. This is a this is a journey, and um, you know what's nice about these companies, and why once they adopt it, they adopt it, and the volumes are big, and they do it. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a long journey just to pass the uh, privacy, security, all that type of things with these companies, and have this service running, um, you know, on their premises and connected to their financial systems. It's a several years journey um, to reach there, and now we're there, like the. Um, this latest uh, software I just told you about, Rob Fiber, is is um, just about to go live uh, with multiple uh, companies. That's the one that I told you that's uh, uh, been uh, marketed by our customers in the uh, Dubai Convention. And uh, this is a big thing. Like companies are going to now invoice each other based on this, um, and uh, this network is expanding. So we we expect that these type of networks that are we are, we are creating. Are going to eventually become you know, this one large network with uh, on-chain payments and and uh, you know more DeFi abilities. Do you know what goes into an upgrade to five G? Is that a? Uh, I'm not sure if this is something you've dove into deeply, but it would wouldn't surprise me if you do. The extent to which five G varies from four G or six G to five G is that are they laying new wire or laying new putting up new satellites? Is it the technology that they're using to 
pass information back and forth, like the software more efficient or different frequency bandwidth. Like I'm, I, I hear a lot of people talk about 5G, the improvements. It's obviously faster is the reason that you upgrade. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, sure. So every G, every generation um, is a set of frequencies, first of all. So the higher the frequency, you know, it goes uh, faster, means that you can have more data at the same period of time. So that's kind of physics. Um, so uh, 5G is, is, you know, higher frequencies. And then uh, what it means is that you need to have um, to install, you know, um, uh, physical um, um, uh, bases that... Um, that will be able to walk in these frequencies and you need to have in your phones um, different types of modem that knows how to get these frequencies and translate them into data. So that's, uh, that's a work of uh, both the um, kind of uh, Qualcomm and other companies to make these chips. And then there are companies, you know, like Ericsson, Nokia and Huawei and others that are making these base stations. Uh, and then uh, the cellular companies, they need to put these space stations everywhere to get coverage. So that's a lot of money that needs to be uh, spent in order to do that. Now, as the uh, generations go up, you need to have, because the frequency is, is higher, you need to be closer to the base station for this to work. So you need to be actually have more base stations um, to, to make this uh, work. So it's even more expensive to do. Now, in 5G, there's different types of frequencies. Uh, and the, the higher they go, um, it's, um, or the different standards, and the better the standard, the better the performance, the lower the latency, the higher the bandwidth, the closer you need them, more expensive to generate. So in the US, for example, there are like... Um, uh, mid-range uh, 5G now that was finally deployed uh, uh, several weeks ago. Um, there was a lot of uh, issues with um, uh, uh, with the airplanes. So airports uh, had some issue with this frequency and they couldn't approve it. So for uh, for a long period of time, uh, you know, Verizon and AT&T, they couldn't, they couldn't get approval for these uh, frequencies, but it was finally resolved. And there are other um, better frequencies. So this is one thing that you need to do, these base stations and all this stuff. The other thing is the core of the network. So um, in, in terms of um, the, um, like today 5G, most of the 5G that you know is still using the previous core. It's using the core of the 4G. So it's just like you get a faster thing, you know, just from you, but then you get to the same core. The new core of the 5G is what's called 5G standalone. And that enables you a lot of other capabilities that are, were not there in 4G. One of the biggest uh, new thing is what's called network slices. And network slices, you know, and we spoke about it a little bit on the pixelation thing on the fiber. It's saying even on the wireless side, you can have priorities. You can have like a network slice that is the guaranteed lowest latency so only you there or you know a few others and you know that every packet that you send will get immediately to the core and that can give you a much better experience and much lower latency so if you do a a vr um session or you play a multiplayer game um or you um you know have uh, like a drone doing a, a surveillance and making decisions based on the video that is getting you would want to get a lower latency and you will be uh, happy to pay for this. So again, there's all these commercial aspects and this is what we are uh, um, enabling, uh, all these commercial aspects of how much you need to pay, how do you do it, how do you settle it with all the different uh, parties around that. Um, this 5G standalone is something that is slowly rolling out. Most of the 5G in the world is still not standalone. And when we get to the standalone, you'll get these network slices and you get another component, which is an edge compute. Edge compute is a computer that sits near this base station, very close to you, 
and can serve you in different ways. And when I say serve in different ways, if we go back to the VR example, if you want to have a cool glasses um, and um, you want them to be a VR glasses, they don't have the processing power, they could, you can have the edge compute process the image in the world for you and just send it to your glasses. And you need to have this ultra low latency um, that it will, it will send you the image and you will feel like it's happening in your glasses. This is the type of experiences that will be enabled with a full 5G uh, standalone experience and with edge compute. Hmm. That's edge compute in particular seems like the big breakthrough. It sounds like a, a completely different way to architect the infrastructure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's going to um, be a lot of things are going to move to the edge um, in, in yeah. general from, from the cloud. It, it seems like that has been. It seems like we go back and forth, right? Servers used to be in every restaurant, in every house, and then they go to the cloud, and then we have our devices in our hand, which are in a sense edge compute, and then the net then the network kind of expands back out, so then it's in every telephone pole and every major base station. It's fascinating to think about that. Um, there, is, there, there is always this uh, movement of centralization, decentralization, centralization, decentralization. We had mainframes, right? And then we had thick clients, we had computers. And then we, we go back to like thin clients with web. And then we have the mobile phones. And it's always doing this. And then we got the cloud. Like, now we're getting the edge compute. It's like the AI is just breathing. It's like it's, like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> It's like we're the bootloaders for the AI, <laughs> and there it is. Uh, I, w- I want to ask you that last question. Do you? Oh, I, this is just something I, I because we're on this topic. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about the health concerns with five G. And I went to the dentist this morning. I got X rays. They step out of the room to give me X rays because the uh, frequency of the X ray is so high, <clears throat> and gamma rays and all, all these rays are very high up on the spectrum. They contain a lot of energy. And that radi- that radiation can do damage to our cells. There is, I'm sure, a lot of research that is done by the telco companies themselves. But similar to pharmaceuticals, there's a concern for by the public that the people funding the research, the organizations funding the research, are the ones who are the most biased. And now that doesn't necessarily implicate those companies in doing anything wrong at all. Um, in fact, I think the vast majority. It, it, it just has to be true. But then there's also, when you run any kind of study on human beings, there's gray area and there's ways to tilt that bias. Do you, I guess the question I'd want to ask you is how confident do you feel in the integrity and the thoroughness of the research um, by the telcos on the health implications? Are you 0% concerned or are you moderately concerned or where do you fall in this? Because presumably there's some spectrum where it will be, if they're blasting x-rays on every street corner, right? <laughs> um, look, first of all, I say, and I know, I know nothing about this. And um, Okay, you know, fair enough, fair enough. You asked me a lot of other questions I could answer. I could tell you that cigarettes will kill you. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were researched uh, by the tobacco companies to be not uh, dangerous for many years. So I would, I would say, like, uh, I don't know what to say about this. Um, I remember when I got my first uh, cell phone, it was like a, like a small Ericsson phone. And uh, uh, my mother was concerned that this is, like, very dangerous to my brain. So she took on the uh, far yeah. from me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and stuff like that and you know we all use them and we grew up and and it seems like we're kind of fine so i don't have an answer i think nobody really knows i will know with time and um you know um i, I would say that if it is dangerous we will have a very limited population in in, in the in the decades so um <laughs> oh god <laughs> Well, the scary part is if they invest all this money into this infrastructure, it would be very inconvenient for it to be uh, revealed that it has some negative health implications. Uh, but you I know, remember, so we're cigarettes, right? Yeah, I remember the COVID uh, stuff. There were used to like uh, there was a conspiracy that uh, that five uh, G uh, created or unleashed COVID or something like this. So 
there's there's so many types of of, uh, of of things that are are happening. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know, and I don't think it's like cigarettes, but I'm I'm really I'm not a professional in this, and, and you know it might be dangerous and use it on your own risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but do but maybe use speakerphone instead of putting it to your ear. <laughs> 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 i don't know well at least at least we kind of all go down together on this one you know if they just blast yeah. it their ways <laughs> uh hey i know it's late your time uh iran thanks so much for hopping on today um where are you publicly visible online do you write or tweet or uh is there anywhere people can follow you individually and then i know the company's url clearx.io uh, we can talk about the com- company too, but where where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I'm, uh, I'm a bit active on LinkedIn. So under my name and also the company uh, is active there. Um, and um, I, I've, um, I'm also active, kind of active on Twitter. So uh, maybe just saying this now will make me more active and, and to put some more interesting stuff. So uh, feel free to open its the uh, same name and, and you can find me on Twitter. Um, and, and yeah, like, uh, come to, to the website, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we're going to release some very, very interesting stuff around web three, uh, solving a lot of the problems that we just, uh, mentioned during this. Um, uh, so it's going to be very interesting, uh, times, um, you know, the next few months. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and we didn't talk about it, but you, you advise, you're on the advisory board of, uh, J Frog and Ven, which looked like two very large, uh, successful companies, which I'm sure keeps you busy. You're based in Israel. Um, if you're ever in Portland where I live, hit me up, man. Would love to meet up. Uh, do you have any people that you follow or that you've learned a lot or books that you wanted to throw out? Um, if people are interested in this topic and wanted to learn more? Um, so first, first regarding, uh, uh, Portland, I think that I've once heard that, um, you have under the city, the biggest, uh, largest mycelium, uh, in the world. I don't know if, uh, yeah, uh, it just creeps up. It just, <laughs> I didn't, I know there's a, <laughs> I just moved here. So I'm learning this. Maybe I'm being, uh, maybe I'm being affected by the mycelium, but there is a huge park here. It's the biggest park in the U S uh, in any city, Forest Park, it like covers half the city. So it's pretty amazing. Cool. Um, so um, re- regarding things um, uh, to learn and, and, and stuff like, uh, um, yeah, I follow different type of, uh, of people and consuming different types of content. Uh, I would say that um, I, I recently um, I'm listened a little bit more uh, for uh, uh, to Benjamin Hardley. Is a guy that uh, is kind of a motivational uh, psychologist and is a very interesting guy. Uh, there is an item that he's keep repeating on um, that I that I like. That the the thing that blocks you from getting to your kind of big goals are your lesser goals, and um, this is something that uh, that kind of inspired me lately. So I I would recommend people to uh, to go and listen to him um, and. Um, yeah, I, um, what else uh, I can recommend? Uh, maybe, um, I, I mean, probably everybody knows uh, uh, Naval Ravikat, so uh, I follow a lot of uh, his stuff and the book that we released, I think it's great. Uh, so also uh, recommend that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, the other things will be on Twitter. Cool, cool. Well, I'll, I'll check it out. Iran, so nice to meet you and congrats on all your progress, man. Keep crushing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.